Welcome. Hi. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm Tom. I'm not the lead pastor. Actually, Pastor Carl, we decided, we're, you know what, we're going to give Pastor Carl the week off because, uh, the, just the weekend off because he's got Easter coming, but also uh, his father-in-law passed away and he had to perform the, uh, the services and be with family and stuff this week on Thursday. And how many guys actually knew uh, Carl's father-in-law, Kanani's dad, Grandpa Glenn? He, he would come from the mainland a couple of times and he would walk around here. And that man has left a legacy of loving Jesus. I mean, that guy would try and convert me. I'm like, Grandpa Glenn, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and a pastor, by the way. And I'm like, I know, I know Jesus loves me. He's like, I know. Yeah, I got to tell you, Jesus loves me. Yes. But that's how dedicated that guy was to tell everybody about Jesus. And so I just wanted to brag about Grandpa Glenn. He's with Jesus now. And uh, in his new body, but that's amazing. So, um, but we are, um, actually, we, we do have a Palm Sunday message for you guys. And like I said, uh, I was describing that Palm Sunday was all about when Jesus fulfilled the prophecy, when he rode in on a donkey, and they were raving branches, thinking that he was going to be the earthly king, but he had something different, different in mind, and they didn't understand that, but that was a day of celebration and jubilation, and they're like, the king is here, and, and so it started off this whole week, and, and so, but really, Palm Sunday was just part of the process, wasn't it? That, that wasn't the end. Like, you know, if, if we receive praise, like, that's, oh, I'm done. Like, oh, yes, people love me. All right. You know, Jesus knew that that wasn't the end of the story, that he still had to, on Thursday, eat um, a last supper with his disciples. He had to be betrayed by one of his disciples. He had to be arrested, beaten, bloodied, put on the cross, and then finally won victory over sin and death over our lives through the resurrection. He knew that was just Palm Sunday was just one of the steps. And one thing we're talking about today, kind of a different angle, I'm going to show you a verse, a really obscure verse, but I think it says a lot of how determined and how resolute Jesus was. And how many people need some determination and some resolution, like, man, we need to be, like, get some grit. Anybody? Just me? Okay. You know, don't we? Because, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. How many guys are quitters? Anybody quitters out there? Anybody proud to be a quitter? Three of us, Right. Right? No one wants to admit. And you know what? The rest of you are all liars. Because at some point, you have quit something. Right? For example, for example, come the new year, someone had a New Year's resolution, right? You had a plan to do something, right? Can I take a poll here? How many guys have followed through on that resolution? One. One person. Let's give this person a hand right now. which has proven the point that you are all quitters. And uh, I'm a quitter as well, and I'm going to confess to you uh, something that I, I decided to do at the beginning of the year. I participated in the 21-day fast that we did at the beginning in January, and my fast was I was just going to juice the whole time. So I was, like, juicing kale and carrots and fruit. And so I was just like, man, and, and the thing was I, I felt good. I was like, ooh, I'm like a little... A little more, like, I don't know. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I don't, I, I can take on the world. And I felt just really strong. And, and so I was like bragging to people. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this juicing thing. After the 21 days, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to like, I'm just going to juice the whole way. The whole year, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be, it's probably going to, I'm probably going to get a little taller because of it. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. You know? And so just to let you know my progress. So this week, um, three times this week, I ate Zippy's fried chicken and chili three times this week. I had leftovers. I had to get rid of it. 
Three times. I love anybody. Zippy's, that's the best combo in the, in the world. Fried chicken and chili, man, from Zippy's. And I ate it three times. So in other words, I'm not juicing anymore. Um, and because it's, it was too, it was too humbug. It was too, it, it was just too expensive. It was just too hard work. And you know what? If there's fried chicken in the refrigerator, I'm eating it. And so I have completely quit. And the sad truth is, is that the calling and the mission and the purpose and the plan that God has for us, um, he has one, by the way. Without exception, every single person in this room, God has a plan and a purpose and a mission because you are his masterpiece and he looks at you and he wants, he wants you to impact this world in a certain way he's gifted you. Amen? I hope you guys believe that. But here's the sad truth is it's not easy. And a lot of us just give up. We give up, we quit because it's too hard. Opposition hits, crisis hits, and we're just like, oh, I can't do this. And today we're going to find out how can we be resolute? How can we be determined to, to walk in the plan that God has for you and me and with, with, a, with a determination? And we're going to look at Jesus as an example. Jesus was this great example of, of knowing the process of God and knowing what was ahead of him, and he did it. Aren't you thankful that Jesus went through with what he went through? Because you remember in, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember? He asked the Lord, is there any way that I, is there any other way? He, he, it, he knew it was hard, but I love the next line. But your will be done, not mine. He said that, and he went through it for you and me. That's why he was so uh, determined. And so we got to be like that. And so there's this interesting verse, and I want you guys to turn to Luke. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 9. And this is interesting because Luke chapter 9 is literally like not even halfway through the book of Luke. And the death on the cross and the resurrection is kind of at the end. And what does this have to do with Palm Sunday? There's this interesting verse that gives a clue to what, how Jesus, how, how determined Jesus was to follow through on God's plan for his life. And in Luke 9 verse 51, it says this. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, which happened right after he died and he resurrected, he ascended to heaven. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I like what the New King James Version says. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face, which means he was determined. He was resolute. No matter what, he was going to do it. Anybody felt like that before? Anybody had a goal or a project and you just made your, anybody have that set in stone face? Anybody like, anybody have that? Or I don't know what you look like. Maybe you look like this. I don't know. I'm not sure what, what your determined face looks like, but have you ever felt like that before? Like no matter what happens, I'm going to do this. I am resolute. I'm going to set my face. And um, I was like racking my brain on when I've ever made that face. And uh, sad to say, it's kind of a funny story. But um, I remember surfing with Carl in this, this uh, spot on the east side called, uh, we call it PCCs. It's right in front of the uh, Polynesian Culture Center. And it was epic. It was like probably some of the best ways I've ever surfed. And uh, we so, so we surfed it all day. We were like there for like five hours. We surfed for five hours. And I literally surfed could I, uh, until I couldn't surf no more. And I was like, I couldn't even paddle. I was like, I can't catch a wave. I can't even paddle out right now. And 
the waves on this side are at least a quarter mile out. You're in the middle of the ocean. So I was so tired. I'm like, I'm just going to float away and die. That's okay. I'm like, the waves are that perfect. I'm like, I'm going to go to heaven. That's, you know, this is like, I was so tired. But I'm like, okay, wait, I gotta, I'm not going to die today. I'm going to go in. And I was like, man, I can't do this. I, I, gotta, I was like, oh, my arms are just deadbeat. Here's the one thing that made me resolute and determined. I was looking at the beach. And if you know like EA and the, and the Polynesian Culture Center, you know what's there? Thank you. And back in the day, before they all did all those renovations, what did every McDonald's have? The golden arches. So I'm paddling in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't. Golden arches. French fries, apple pie, cheeseburger. I'm like, yes! I'm like, I set my face like stone, man. I'm like, I'm doing this. And I, I, mean, I just paddled in with determination and grit. And I'm sorry I'm relating this to Jesus, but... Um, we got to have that. If you want to make sure you want to have God's plan activated in your life, it's got to take some determination. Why? It's not going to be easy. Jesus never promised it was going to be easy. He didn't say, follow me. It's going to be a piece of cake. That is not written in the Bible. It actually says the opposite. It says you'll be persecuted. It's going to be tough. But here's the other promise that he tells you. I will be with you. He had to hold on to that. But um, I, 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 that's just my heart for you guys today. Come on, let's, let's make sure that we are determined. And actually, in Isaiah 50, uh, verse 7, do you know they actually prophesied about Jesus' determination? This is pretty amazing. That 100 years before, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be this determined. He would set his, his face uh, like stone. It says this, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. And um, like I said before, Jesus, if you think about it, he saw Palm Sunday. He saw the Last Supper, the betrayal, the cross, the resurrection. But beyond that, you know what he saw? Our salvation. And doesn't that sound awesome that he was determined to save us? That's what was driving him. And uh, so how do we do that? How do we make sure that we kind of uh, get that same face, that game face that Jesus had. So uh, in the following verses, it kind of gives a little telltale of what requires to, to set our face to God's plan. In Luke 9, the following verse in 52, it says this. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When Jesus, uh, James and John saw, saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. So just, I hope you caught this, but so Jesus and his disciples were on the way to Jerusalem, but of course it's a long way off, and so they had to stop and get rest and supplies, so they wanted to stop in this Samaritan village. But if you know your, your, your Bible history, the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Why? Because Samaritans were technically half-breeds. They were half-Jews and Gentiles. They were a product and a community that was born out of intermarrying. So there was these, these, it was racist, and they were prejudiced against each other, and, and they didn't treat each other well. And so this whole village, Jesus and the disciples are coming, and they're just like, nope, Jesus, disciples, you're not welcome here. 
You are not welcome here. How's that? No, you cannot come here. Go all the way to Jerusalem, but we will not help you. And here's the one lesson that we can learn from Jesus uh, about setting our face to God's will. Number one is expect opposition. If you're writing any notes down, expect opposition. Opposition will come, right? Um, Here's one fact that I've learned over all the years. If there's anything worth doing, it's going to take hard work. Isn't it? Anything that you decided, man, that's worth doing, that I'm going to put all my time and energy into it, it takes hard work. And even more so for God's will to happen in our lives, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take, uh, it's going to take determination. And we got to realize that it's not going to be easy, but we got to be willing to, to, to go through it. And here's the one thing. We shouldn't be surprised by it. We shouldn't be surprised by it because you know what happens when we're surprised by it? We, we have these expectations and then we get disappointed. I mean, this has happened to me. It's like I, I've heard God's voice of, Tom, go do this. I will do that, God. I will, right? And then crisis happens and then opposition happens and problems happens. And I'm just like, oh. And, okay, I'm going to ask this. Anybody a whiner? Thank you. Thank you for... I'm a whiner. I'm like, eh, when tough comes, like, eh, oh, I, I start whining. I'm a whiner. I'm like, eh. So it's, it's in those moments where it, I whine about it and I complain about it. And then I think this, God, you called me to do something, but it, this is happening. And then I kind of blame God. You asked me to do this. Why is it so hard? But God didn't promise that it was going to be easy. So we shouldn't be surprised by it. Don't you love the fact that we're on this campus right now? that were on this property. I want to tell you about a little bit of history that it took, when we decided to come up here on this property, there was a lot of opposition. There was a lot of crisis. It was not easy. When we first go, hey, no one's all, okay, here, here you go. It was hard. And I was a young, I wasn't even a pastor. I was just a young member of this church. But I want to tell you one thing. I want to brag about one person that had a, a determination to make sure that we get up on this property, Pastor Rob McWilliams. Yeah, give him a hand. And I, I watched him. I watched him as a teenager and a young 20-year-old just watching him, and I saw all the problems coming up, and Pastor Rob just stood up. He stood in the gap for us. He stood up to the opposition. He stood up in a godly way. He, wasn't, he did it in the right way, and he knew because this is, he, he knew that God wanted us up here. And I believe this, God, God purposely gave us Pastor Rob to, in that season to fight for us, to stand up. And, and he wasn't surprised by that. He wasn't, I, I'm, I'm really glad that Rob, Pastor Rob McWilliams is not a whiner like me, right? And he didn't. And, he, and, and, and long story short, here we are. Here we are worshiping God on this property. So you know what? If it's worth doing anything, it's going to take hard work. Here's another fact. Another fact is there will be conflict, If you're going to walk towards God, stuff is going to happen. You're going to get critics. You're going to get haters. You're going to get people gossiping about you. You're going to get people that won't agree with what you're doing. And that's okay. You're not surprised by it. Um, And and then you can react properly. Um, Here's a prime example is how Jesus' disciples reacted to them getting rejected uh, at the Samaritan city. Do you guys remember what James and John did? They Check this out. It's actually kind of hilarious, right? They got rejected from the Samaritan city, and in verse 54, it says this. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, 
Should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Now, this is an interesting verse because I credit James and John for their faith in the fact that they believe Jesus could send fire from heaven and burn up those Samaritan village. Okay? On the other hand, overreaction. Like, you know, and they, they got rejected. And I think because they're so steeped in the Jewish tradition, they're like, okay, you know what? They don't want us? Well, then burn them up, you know? I mean, they're, and they were asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, go burn them up. Go just send fire from heaven and just, just wipe out the whole city. And um, you know what this, this, taught, this, this, thing, this ex, uh, example teaches me? Man, I got to react like Jesus more than I got to react like uh, James and John. But here's the question I want to ask you. How many guys, when stuff happened to you, when crisis hits, when you have haters and we have critics and you have people gossiping about you, how many of you guys want to act like James and John more like Jesus? Let's be honest with you. Is there some people that you want to burn up? <laughs> You're like, can you send fire from heaven? Thanks, God. And here's what Jesus is teaching me. I got to have grace. I got to have mercy over people. And how does that happen in, in the midst of conflict and when people are coming against you? This is kind of hard. And there's a verse that I, and, uh, that I love, and it actually taught me, uh, it's a rule of thumb of how to deal with people how to deal with tough people, how to deal with hard situations. And I always kind of remind myself about this. This verse in John 1, verse 14, John was writing about Jesus, and he says this, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And what that means was he was always full of grace, and he was always full of truth. He had 100% grace all the time, and he had 100% great oh, truth all the time. Now, for some of us, we walk around with 50% grace. We walk around with 75% grace, which means this. Half of the people, I love you. You're awesome. Oh, you did something wrong? That's okay, right? The other 50%, you can burn. <laughs> Fire, come down right now. And we, we have no grace for another group of people. Jesus was 100% grace. He always lived in love and compassion and all that. But then what happens if, is if we live in just 100% grace, a lot of us, we water down the truth. Are you guys getting me? We water down what God is saying, what God is calling us to do. And I love the fact that Jesus walked in 100% truth, which means he always said the honest thing. He, would, he, he, he said the tough thing he needed to say when he needed to say it. He wouldn't ever compromise the truth of God. And he wouldn't ever water it down. And that's a tough, how do you do that? I'm going to tell you one thing. Jesus did it. And I'm going to strive in all my interactions with anybody, not just in conflict, that I'm going to have 100% grace and 100% truth in everything that I do. Um, all right, let's move on. So expect opposition. Um, let's keep reading. The next verse in Luke 9, verse 57 says this. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. And so when I was, you know, I, I used to read these verses when I was young. And I used to read it and go, oh, Jesus. Calm down. 
Like, I know I told Jesus to calm down. How's that? Um, because I thought, that's a little harsh. Like, why, why, this guy is saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And I've come to realize, like, growing up and just, just knowing Jesus and knowing his heart, you know what? Like I just said, Jesus was 100% grace and 100% truth. He was honest. Jesus was always honest. And what, what, he, what he was saying to this guy, because this guy was all gung-ho, like, you know, I'm kind of figuring this guy, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go because I'm seeing all these people following you. I'm seeing all the miracles that you're doing. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're of God. But and so, you know what? I'm going to, let's do this. I'm with you. And Jesus basically told him, are you ready to walk the path that I'm going to walk? That's what he's saying. I have nowhere to lay my head. He actually was kind of soft on him because he didn't tell him the whole deal. He, he, he could have laid it on him. Are you ready to go to death with me? Because I'm walking to the cross right now. That's what I have to do. Are you ready for persecution? Are you ready for that? And Jesus was just being honest with him. I have no place to lay my head, you know? And the one lesson that we can learn from Jesus in this example of how to set our face to God's will is don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable making sure, like, I'm wondering if that guy, you know, Jesus was like, the, the son of man has no place. I'm like, what, no pillow? I'm out of here. You know, like, pff, that's too much. And the one thing that we have to realize is before we walk into what God is calling us, we got to make sure that we're not surprised and how do we make sure that we're not surprised by opposition? That we count the cost. That we have to count the cost. In um, Luke 14, verse 28, it says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Um, you got to count the costs. You got to finish. Are you ready to finish it and, and pay the price for it? And think about it this way. Think about someone that you admire, that you want to be like, that you either like their characteristics or they're kind of like a mentor or they're like a podcast or a pastor that, let you, that you listen to or an author and you're like, man, I really admire that person. Or maybe like it's an athlete that you're like, oh, what a, man, I want to do stuff that they do. You know who I want to be like? Kelly Slater. Anybody know who Kelly Slater is? I'm a surfer, right? I, I want to surf like Kelly Slater, right? And so Kelly Slater, if you don't know who he is, he's 47 years old. He won 11 world titles. He's probably considered, he, not probably, he is considered the greatest surfer that has ever lived. And he's, he's approaching 50, and he's surfing the same way that he surfed in his 20s. I don't know how he's done it, but I'm like, I'm approaching 50, and I'm like, I want to surf like Kelly Slater. But you know what? If I ask myself, am I ready to do the things that Kelly Slater has done? Like surf every single day. That doesn't sound too bad, actually. Um, for hours on end, working on technique, working on thing, working, having a competitive mindset. I mean, he, he is just a master, he, but he has put the time in. He has made the sacrifices. And you know what? I don't have time to do that. I got three kids. I don't have time to be Kelly Slater, so I'm not going to surf like him. Are you ready to walk the path of that person that you want to be, you know? Um, another example is, and here's an awe moment. Get ready to go, ah. Um, 
my son, he was a seven, he's seven years old. Um, he said this to a number of people, and when people go, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my son immediately says, I want to be a pastor. Thank you. All <laughs> oh, right. And uh, so I love that. I'm like, oh, man, little Judah wants to be just like dad. Yes, yeah. You know, but uh, I remember my, my wife was talking to another pastor, um, and uh, she said to, to this person, um, hey, so Judah, yeah, Judah wants to become a pastor. And their first reaction was this, why? Why? And to be honest with you, I understand that, um, that reaction because, man, being a pastor is not easy. To get to where I am right now on this stage to preach to you guys, to give this word, there's been a lot of pain. Stuff that's been birthed in pain, been opposition. There's been trials. There's been some heavy stuff that went down that I can't go through, that I'm not going to go through. But it's, it's those very things that made me to become a pastor today. Are you guys with me on that? that, that and so I look at my son when he says, I want to be a pastor. And in my mind, I'm going, you got a lot, lot to learn, son. You know, you got, man, there's a path to that. But you know what? If that's great, if you're willing to count the cost, more power to you, my son, Judah. I would love to see that happen. But man, there's, it's not that easy. And so um, count the cost. Um, and I'm going to point two is don't get too comfortable. I want to turn, turn that into a question. Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to be stretched to see God's will done in your life? Are you willing to do things that you haven't done before or don't want to do? I don't know about you guys, but when sometimes that God tells me to do stuff, I'm like, <laughs> I do one of those. Like, no way. I don't want to do that. That's too hard. I, I don't want to go through that process. Uh-uh. I mean, even Jesus, did, Jesus was like, is there any other way? Right? Are you ready to get uncomfortable? Because here's the one thing that I've learned over all the years is if you want to grow, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to be uncomfortable because that's when growth happens. Anybody had, a, anybody had a good 2018? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody had a? Anybody? Okay. Uh, uh, who had a bad 2018? A tough one, all right? Mine was horrible. Mine was tough. Mine was full of conflict and struggle. And I'm going to be honest with you, there was times I love the Lord, I spend with him, but in my prayer closet, there's times I was like this. Anybody? Nobody? <laughs> You're just like, God, why? Why aren't you doing anything? What are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing. Oh, you know? And the most amazing thing about God is, I think he's probably laughing at me. <laughs> he's just like, Tom, you know, you know, I love you, man. I love you. I love your passion, but you know what? And it, I, I, I'm not, you know what? For some of us, when we get mad at God, we run away from God and we ignore God. I, I, I'm okay with me wrestling with God. I'm okay with you wrestling with God because you know what? You're still communicating with him. You're still in communication. Stay in communication even when you're frustrated, frustrated with God. Just, oh, there was times. But I want to tell you one thing. At the end of 2018, come December, come Christmas, I remember this. My fists towards God wrestling with him turned into praise. It turned, in, it turned into this. You know Why? Because I was praising and thanking the Lord how much I, have, I had grown in that year. 
because I was stretched, I was uncomfortable, there was conflict that I had to go through, and I wouldn't, and then at the end of 2018, I said to myself, I'm never gonna take that back because I don't wanna, I don't wanna lose any of that stuff I learned through the year. I matured. I became a better person because of it, and I was like, I ain't giving that away, uh-uh. And it was setting me up for this year, and so um, if, you wanna be, if you wanna grow, get out of your comfort zone. Um, Let's keep on going in Luke 9, verse, the following verse 59. Here's another example. How much time? Uh, it says this. So he said that to that one person. Now he approaches some other people. He says this. Um, Come follow me. The man agreed. He wanted to follow Jesus. But he said this. Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And so here's a different situation from the first guy. The first guy was, I will follow you wherever you go. He initiated the conversation with Jesus, and Jesus was honest with him. This time, Jesus was the one that initiated and said, hey, you guys, he probably saw some potential in them. He saw, he's like, you know what? I think you guys would be good to potential disciples, come follow me. But what are the main things they said to Jesus? But first. First, let me go say goodbye to my family. First, let me go bury my father. And um, I read some commentaries uh, about that verse because that's what I do as a pastor. I study and, I, you know. <laughs> so I read, but a lot of the commentaries um, said this, that that guy who said, let me go bury my father, wasn't saying my father is dead, let me go bury him. He was saying this, let me go home, take care of my father who is still alive, and then wait till he is dead, and then I will bury him, and then guess what, Jesus? Then I'll catch up to you, and then I will follow you. So that was an undetermined uh, time that who knows when that was gonna happen. And, I mean, think about it. Jesus... Was, was on his way to Jerusalem to do the Father's will and, and, and give his life, which this guy had no idea. And by the time that he would have taken care of everything, he would have lost his opportunity. And the one thing that we can learn about, um, about this example, about setting our face and being determined is, it takes obedience. Write that down. It takes obedience. And what do I mean by that? There is no but first in God's best. There is, there isn't, there isn't a but first. And for us, I, to be honest with you, I think we have it a little easier, just a little bit easier than this guy for this one thing. Jesus was asking this guy to, to follow the physical Jesus. He was saying, hey, come follow me. I'm going to Jerusalem. And so you come with me to Jerusalem. And so he said, oh, no, I can't. That's going to take some time. I better go do this. And so it's kind of like this logistical thing. For us, Jesus died and rose again, and he's in heaven right now, and he's ruling over us. So we follow the omnipresent Jesus. Are you guys with me? And so when we follow him, we're following his direction, his plan, what he's calling us to do. But here's the thing. I still see the problem of us saying, but first. I guess my question to you is, Ask yourself, what is your butt first? Which means, what are you putting ahead of Jesus? And then you're going to follow him. A career, family, kids, 
By the way, those are all good things, aren't they? Those are all great things, family. But over the years, I have seen people who love Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, worshiping, worshiping in this room with all passion. And I can see the, call, the calling on their lives. But then this one thing hits them. You know what that one thing is? Life. Anybody got hit by life before? <laughs> You're like, I got to go to school. I got to get a degree. I got to have a career. I got to buy a house. I got to start a family. I got to meet someone before I start a family. You know? And you have all these things. And I've seen so many people get caught up in those things, which are good things. But you know what happens? It's, it's with a butt first. And they put, they put Jesus and God's plan on the back burner. It was on the front burner before, and they're like, yeah, they're going and doing it. And they go, you know what? I'm going to put God on the back burner, and I'm going to do this. And the sad truth is, I haven't, I, it's a lot of them, I didn't see him come back. I said, I'm going to do this first, and then I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I never saw him come back. What's your butt first? What is the thing that you're putting ahead? And here's my, here's my advice to you guys. Here's something that I learned is... You would think what I'm telling you is, hey, put God as your first priority. You know what I've learned? Don't make God your first priority. Make him the priority. And here's what, I, well, here's what I'm talking about. Don't look at your priorities with God as a list. So what I mean is God, yeah, God, family, ministry, serving, my dog, job, you know, and all this. And, you have, and so it goes down the list and go, but I'm going to, you know, I like to look at it this way. Put everything that is a priority in your life in a circle. And then you know what you do? You put God in the center of it. You put God in the center of it, and now he's the first in every single thing rather than he's the top of everything. He's now the first in every single detail. And you know what's going to happen when you do it that way? Is the stuff that you think is so important, the thing that's like, I don't, that's so important. When you put God first in every single thing, there's, you'll be surprised. Some of those things that you thought were so valuable aren't that important anymore. And you start to let it go. And so um, put them in the center of everything. And that's how you're going to be more obedient in, in following him. Um, does that make sense to you guys? All right. Um, it takes obedience. Um, and then the last verse, and this is his reply, and this is the last lesson that we can learn about setting our face in determination to the Lord. This is his reply to those two guys that said the bus, but first. Um, in Luke 9, verse 62, it says this, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I love this verse because if you know back in the, if you know what the, uh, uh, if you, anybody farmers out here? Anybody? No one's a farmer? My father-in-law is a farmer. And so he, he's a papaya farmer. And so I, I go up in Waihole, and I see fields of, uh, of how he plows them before he puts all the papayas in the ground. And they're these straight lines, right? And so what Jesus is saying, back in the day, you would have to, like, control oxen to make sure that you plow before you plant and that you're walking, you're walking in a straight line, that you're plowing a straight line. But what Jesus is saying is don't look back. Don't be distracted because if you do, guess what's going to happen, right? It's like, da-da-da, I'm going to make a straight line. That's great. Ooh, birds. 
Ah, right? And the oxen is still going, and you're just going, oh, there's my wife. She's cooked. Ooh, that smells good. And you're just like, oh, and the oxen starts taking control. And guess what? You're not going on a straight line anymore. You're going like this. You're going wherever the wind blows or where the oxen is going. And, you're, and you just get distracted, and you're not going on a straight line anymore. And when, when Jesus is saying, never look back, he's not being cruel. He's just being honest. He's all, you want to go on my plan? Stay focused. Stay on the path. What's in front of you? Go straight, right? In Proverbs 4, uh, 25, it says this. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a, a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Here's two ways. Here's two reasons. And I struggle with this. I struggle with both of them. Here's two reasons why we look back, right? We're plowing as best as we can. And we go, ooh, you know, why do we do this? Number one is we can't get past our past. And what do I mean by that? A lot of us are riddled with con condemnation and guilt and unworthiness because of our past sin, our past mistakes. Some of us, are living in the consequences of those mistakes right now, and it's painful. And so we can't get past our past. Can I say one thing? You know why we celebrate Easter? Because Jesus died for all of that. To set you free from your past. If there's anything that the Lord Jesus has taught me in the years, that anytime I look back, you know what I see? I don't see my mistakes. I don't see my, my, my sins. I don't see what I did wrong. All I see is the cross of Jesus Christ covering it all by his grace and his mercy and his love for my life, which means I don't have to look back anymore. I don't have to have the lies of unworthiness hit me and go, I'm not worthy for service. Yes, you are. Jesus made you worthy. Now you can just move forward. Here's the other reason why we look back. Because we want to, and we can't let go of the past. Anybody with me? Anybody? I, I'm a 90s. Actually, I'm a, uh, let me, I'm an 80s. If I could live back in the 80s and 90s, I would wear those ugly clothes. I would. Uh, you know why? Because I was in my 20s, and I was, I was pretty cool back then. Now I'm like approaching 50. And I'm like, eh, I'm not as cool as I used to be. And uh, The good old days, anybody? The good old days. Or oh, that, that past relationship I had. Or that thing that I can't let go. Here's the problem with not letting go of the past. You can't move forward. And when you move forward and you finally let go, I'm going to tell you one thing. Here's the best thing that happens. God does a new thing in your life. And what I'm telling you is let go of the past past so that you can walk in a straight line and let God do amazing things that you never expected or even imagined in your life. And that's why Jesus is being really honest and hard right here. Never look back. You know why? Because I have an amazing future ahead of you. Amen? Um, I love what that, I'm going to close with this. I love what that Proverbs verse says. It says, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Jesus was determined. He set his face because what he saw was Palm Sunday, Last Supper, betrayal, getting beaten, 
being crucified on the cross for you and me, the resurrection, and he was brought back to life. But you know what he saw beyond that? Our salvation, your salvation. He was determined because he was set his eyes on you and me, on our lives. And that's what drove him. So my question for you guys is, what lies before you? What has God set before you? And for some of us, we might know what that is in the horizon, what God has set before us. But a lot of us don't, to be honest with you. So I want to tell you, what's right in front of you? If God has set something in front of you, what's right in front of you? Could it be that you're free of addictions? Could it be that you're a better husband or a wife? That you have some bad habits that you want to get rid of? And actually, is there some good habits that you want to start? Is there, is there a place where God is leading you that, that you've lived in condemnation and unworthiness and you, you've never taken the step to start serving him because you're not worthy of doing it? I'm telling you, you are worthy. And maybe he's asking you, what's your next step to step into ministry and helping people out? being the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't know what that is, but I, I encourage you. It's not going to be easy, but God's plan is the best. Amen? And he has an amazing plan for you. And I just want you to go on that path. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, just come before you right now, and I just pray for everybody here, and I pray that you would reveal what their next step is what that path is, what straight line they need to walk and uh, where they're looking back and they shouldn't look back and they, they can let that go. And Lord, maybe it's going to cause some opposition and of course it's going to cause some opposition. Maybe it's going to cause some stretching. Uh, Lord, I pray that we trust in you to walk in all of that and not be surprised by it. And, and actually be surprised by what you have ahead of us in store for us, that we would be surprised by that and expect that. Lord, I pray for that. I thank you that for everybody here, that we would be walking in your will and your plan for our lives. With all eyes closed and head bowed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone here to declare themselves a born-again Christian, a follower of Jesus. I want to make sure that you know him and by knowing him, you're an adopted child of God. By knowing him, you get to see him face to face. When you pass from this earth, you get to go to heaven, that your salvation is secure, that you're saved. I want to make sure that happens in your life. And here's how it happens. Jesus died on the cross for you. He did it for you, to, for your salvation. He did all that hard work so that he can make it easy for you to do one thing. Just say, yes, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the grave three days later. And because of that, Lord Jesus, I want to become a follower of you. I want to become a born-again Christian. And because of that, I say I believe it, and I want to give my life over to you right now. If that's you this morning, maybe it's a first time or maybe it's a rededication. I want to pray with you. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and in that, in that prayer, you're actually going to follow along with my words, hitchhiking off of my words to Jesus himself to declare yourself a follower of him and that you would give him your life because you believe what he did. If you want that this morning and pray,
want to pray that prayer with me? Can you do me a favor first? Can you tell me by raising your hand right now? Does anybody want that? We got one. Anybody else? We got two. Either a first time or rededication. Yeah, anybody else? We got three. Awesome. Anybody else? All in this front row. I love it. That's cool. Anybody else? Anybody else want to dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, put your hands down. Thank you for doing that. It's the best thing that ever happened in this service this whole time is you deciding to follow Jesus. Just follow along and hitchhike off of my words right now. Jesus, I give you my life for this reason. I believe what you did on the cross. You died for me. What we celebrate on Good Friday, I believe it. You were sinless and you were, you were, you were crucified anyway but you did it willingly to take upon my sin, to set me free. And then three days later, you rose from the grave and you were alive and I rise a, a new creation in you, God. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. I am set free from the past and you've given me a brand new path to walk in. And I believe it and I thank you and I give you my life because of it. You are my Lord and my savior. I declare myself born again in your name. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we all pray. Amen. Hey, let's give those people a hand. Yeah, come on. Yeah, shout for them. Woo, celebrate with them. <laughs>